They should be saying, you are what you think. Just like we need to be careful what kind of food we put into our bodies, we need to guard what kind of thoughts we put into our minds. From Philippians 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, If anything is excellent, excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, praiseworthy. Think, about, think about, think about, think about such things. Whatever is true, 
about such things Think about such singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Elisha was a prophet of the people. He visited the rich, the poor, the powerful, the weak, kings, commoners. He stayed in palaces, in hovels. His influence for God was felt in every corner of Israel and in every walk of life. Long live the king. Long live the king. Greetings, Elisha. And what bringeth thee, thou man of God, to my court? Bringest thou counsel from God or reproof? O king, thou walkest in the ways of God to do his will. I bring thee glad tidings and a blessing from the living God of Abraham and Isaac. Welcome to my humble abode, O ye prophet of the living God of heaven. Blessings be upon thee and thy son. 
thou stay and eat of our meager bread? I am come to give thee warning, thee and thy son. Behold, the Lord bringeth a seven-year famine upon Israel. Get thee up, thou and thy household, and get thee hence, sojourning wheresoever thou canst, and return here again at the end of the seven years. Why trouble ye, O man of God, to bring this warning to me? Are there not noblemen, officers, ladies of great wealth, and other more important people than I to warn? The Lord is no respecter of persons. Thou art just as important in his sight as the wealthiest and most powerful person in the world. Elijah, prophet of God, to see thee, O king. Audience denied. He does nothing but lecture and censure me. Were he not so loved and respected by most of the people, I would have him beheaded. And it came upon a day that Elisha, man of influence, servant yet master, humble yet great, fell ill of the sickness whereof he died. Joash, the new and youthful king of Israel, hearing of Elisha's sickness, went to the prophet's humble abode and spoke unto him. O Elisha, my father and father to all Israel, pass not away, I pray thee. For thou art greater and more powerful than all the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. What, O Elisha, will I do? What will Israel do without you? Take up thy bow and thy arrows, O king. My bow and... as thou sayest, ye man of God. Put thy hand upon the bow. I place my hands over thine. Open the latticed window eastward. Yes, sir. Now, your majesty, draw back the bow and shoot eastward through the window. Thy wish is my command. That arrow, speeding on its way, O king, typifies the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, the arrow of deliverance from Syrian aggression. Thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek, O king, until thou hast consumed them. Thou hast said, so shall it be. Faith, O king, or the lack thereof, are the factors that will determine thy success or failure as king of Israel. Uh, your majesty, pick up, I pray thee, the arrows that remain in thy quiver. Hold them in thy hand and beat them upon the floor. Thou beatest them but thrice showing, O king, a lack of the enthusiasm and perseverance thou needest for thy duty to Israel. Thou shouldst have smitten them five or six times. Then would thou have smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed them. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but three times. I am sorry, my father. Please leave now, your majesty. I tire. Um... Uh. Farewell, O man of God. Anything I can do for thy comfort, master? Yes, my son. Uh, I am tired and in deep pain. No more visitors today, please. <laughs> you may sit here by my bedside. I perceive that thou wishest to ask of me a question. Yes, sir. But it can wait. Thou art a son of the prophets. 
when I am gone, there is much work for thee and thy fellow students to do. Ask now of me what thou wilt. Elisha, sir, Elijah, prophet of God before thee, was taken into heaven in a fiery chariot, and he experienced no lingering sickness or pain. Yet thou, truly as godly and faithful a prophet as was Elijah, hast been ill a goodly length of time and in extreme pain. Why does God permit it in thy case and not in Elijah's? The good Lord has a purpose. I know not what it is, but his will be done now and always. You, well, you don't seem to mind the terrific pain. I know not how, but in some manner, I am serving God and his purpose in cheerfully enduring this pain. And my son, remember the time thy eyes were opened at Dothan? Oh, yes, sir. I saw a host of angels and chariots of fire ready to come to thy rescue if need be. By my side in this room are angels. Perhaps some of those same angels. They now watch over me with sympathy and love. And I am comforted. You can see those angels? I am ever conscious of their presence. Yes, through eyes of faith. Uh, son, in all confidence, I can say as David said, God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. Continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible and Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
matter with you? Tanya, that's what's the matter with me. Your best friend, Tanya? Have a little tiff, did we? Little? Just the fight of the century. Do you know what she did? I have a feeling you're going to tell me. She wore my favorite sweater the other day and got a big stain on it. You let her wear your clothes? And then she said the stain was already there and it was my fault. Does what you're wearing right now belong to someone else? I am never going to speak to her again. Well, that might be hard because she's coming to your birthday party on Sunday. Then I'm going to uninvite her. Let me use your cell phone. Wait a minute. Weren't you listening in church last week? Pastor Quanto said that if we hold a grudge, if we stay angry at someone, it can make us sick. Well, he's right. Tanya makes me sick. I think you're missing the point here. You're going to make yourself sick by being angry and not forgiving little sweater girl. The preacher said that we can get stomach aches, headaches, even lose sleep when we're angry. That's not healthy. Well, what would you do if someone borrowed your sweater and got a big stain on it? I don't lend my clothes to people. That's creepy. Okay, what if it was your baseball glove? What if someone broke it and then blamed it on you? I guess if someone broke my glove, I'd be pretty mad. But I don't want to be sick, so I'm thinking I'd have to decide which is more important. My glove or my health? Sam, you're pretty smart for a dumb kid. Can I borrow your red jacket? No. Just for the party? No way. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, he established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. you've joined me today for another story just for you. Have you ever been asked to be in a wedding? 
Maybe someone wanted you to be a junior bridesmaid or an usher. Maybe they wanted you to light the candles or spread flower petals. If you have, you know how crazy the wedding planning and rehearsals can be. That's what Maria finds out in this shoebox kid's mystery. This time, Maria has a real problem. She's excited about being in her aunt's wedding, but everything is going wrong. Should she refuse to be a junior bridesmaid? Can you figure out what happened to Maria's missing dress before she does? Chapter 6. It's Missing Bright shafts of light streamed through Maria's bedroom window. When the alarm clock buzzer buzzed for the tenth time, a hand shot out from underneath the pillow and covers and shut it off. You better get up, Maria. We have to leave in an hour for the church. Mr. Vargas's rich baritone voice called from downstairs. Why does Dad always have to sound so happy in the morning, Maria wondered, as she started to drag herself out of bed. Suddenly, Maria's eyes flashed open. Today is Aunt Angie's wedding day. She must be really happy, and I should be happy for her, too. Somehow, this was the first time Maria thought about being happy for Angie instead of feeling sorry for herself. I really have been selfish, she decided. All at once, she was eager to go to the wedding. She flung the covers off and stood up. Hey, she said out loud, my neck doesn't hurt at all. Just to test it out, she tossed her black hair behind her shoulders with a flick of her head. After showering quickly, she dressed in a pair of nice jeans and a shirt. Before leaving her room to go downstairs to eat breakfast, she took the dress out of her closet and laid it on the bed. As usual, Mr. Vargas was pacing back and forth, waiting for everyone to get in the car so they could leave. He glanced at his watch and paced harder. Maria! Yo-yo! Chris! He called upstairs. Coming, Chris said. I'm coming too, Yo-yo announced as she lugged her doll Liberty and a pink suitcase full of doll clothes downstairs. Chris was right behind her. He was wearing his blue suit. What are you going to do with Liberty and all those clothes, Yo-Yo? Going to dress her up for the wedding, Yo-Yo said. Maria was carrying her dress. She went outside and got in the car with Yo-Yo and Chris. Mom and Dad came out a few minutes later, and soon they were on their way to Angie's wedding. Mrs. Vargas started going through her checklist. Everyone have their seatbelts fastened? Yes, Chris, Yo-Yo, and Maria said in unison. Yo-Yo, did you bring your blue barrettes for me to put in your hair? Uh-huh. Mrs. Vargas turned her head to see Chris. You certainly look nice, Chris. Maria felt sort of funny being the only one in the family who wasn't dressed up already, but Mom had said it would be a good idea to wait and get dressed at the church. That way, nothing disastrous would happen to the dress before the wedding. Maria gazed out the window. Springtime was her favorite time of the year. It was warm outside. The trees and grass and flowers smelled pretty. Suddenly, she was incredibly happy. This is going to be the best wedding, she decided. Angie and Ben are going to have a beautiful wedding, and I'm going to be part of it. When they drove into the church parking lot and got out, Mrs. Vargas noticed Maria's happy attitude. You seem awfully happy all of a sudden, Maria, she said. Maria laughed. I am. This is going to be the best wedding. I'm happy for Angie. Maria locked her arm in her mom's, and they walked into the church together. Maria even felt like skipping. She felt so happy all of a sudden that she was sure nothing could ruin the day. Absolutely nothing. Several people were already unloading stuff in the multi-purpose room for the reception that would start after the wedding. Mrs. Swartz, one of the deaconesses, came over and asked Mrs. Vargas if she could help cover tables and arrange centerpieces. Hello, Maria, she said after a moment. Hi, Mrs. Swartz. When Mrs. Swartz saw the dress, she drew in a deep breath and seemed to be genuinely admiring it. Why, that is beautiful, Maria. I'm sure you look very pretty in it. Maria blushed. She sort of wished she could run and put it on right away. 
She's absolutely beautiful in it, Mrs. Vargas agreed, winking at Maria. Maria knew what the wink meant. It meant that Mom had been right all along and that most of the time moms were right and that their children should try to remember it. Maria smiled back. Can I go put it on right now? Maria asked after Mrs. Swartz had left. Let's wait for a while, Mrs. Vargas suggested. I need to help with the tables first. Why don't you lay the dress on this table while I go find a hanger to hang it on? Maria noticed that some mother had left a diaper bag on the table too and she wondered whom it belonged to. When she looked around, all she could see was a strange man holding a small baby. The diaper bag must belong to him, Maria thought. Just then, Jenny opened a door and Mrs. Wallace came in holding a wide box. She gently carried it over to another table and set it down. Maria thought she could see beads of perspiration on Mrs. Wallace's forehead. Hi, Jenny, Maria called. Jenny saw Maria and waved. Mrs. Wallace went out and brought in one more big box and set it beside the first box. Hi, Maria, Jenny said when her mother came back in and she could close the door. You must be really excited. Maria smiled. I'm a little nervous. I probably won't even be able to walk up the aisle by the time the wedding starts. Jenny, will you help me set up the wedding cake? Mrs. Wallace asked. She had already taken the biggest cake out of its box and set it on the table. Jenny very carefully lifted the second biggest cake to her mother. Maria didn't think she had ever seen a cake so beautiful. It was round and had three layers, and each layer was held up by four white columns. It made her think of pictures she had seen of buildings that had white marble columns. Mrs. Wallace took the last layer and carefully set it on top. Maria giggled when Mrs. Wallace finally took her hands away from the cake because everyone seemed to have been holding their breath, even Maria. But Mrs. Wallace took the biggest breath when it was finished. She sighed and let her shoulders drop. Whew, she said. I'm glad that's finished. It's the most beautiful cake I've ever seen, Mrs. Wallace, Maria exclaimed. How do you make all those flowers and leaves? Maria stepped a little closer to the cake, but not too close. She didn't want something to accidentally happen to it. Thank you, Maria. I must say it takes a lot of time and patience to make all those flowers. Mrs. Wallace started to explain how to make flowers out of frosting. First, you put a piece of wax paper on a little plastic stick with a platform on it. Then take a tube of frosting with a wide, thin tip on it. Twirl the stick. Oh, no! Maria's hand flew up to her mouth as she looked over Mrs. Wallace's shoulder. Look! The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 6, The Wedding Dress Disaster, written by Eric Stoffel. Edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Live Talk Radio. 
at lifetalk.net.